Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Penny Johnson Gerald from The Orville, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Hey, Doc, you better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Ah! Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I'm Miles B. McLaughlin. <laughs> I'm MC Rogerson. <laughs> I'm Grizzly Robinson. <laughs> I'm Dave Sellers. <laughs> well, as you can tell, there's been a conversation happening prior to this. And Dave, at least you don't sound like you're going to a funeral this time. Just saying. Oh, uh, yeah. That's always good. <laughs> oh, oh, my stars. Oh, my stars. Uh, yeah. What was that? Yep. At least Dave has an excuse. He's been drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the rest I'll of us. Right back. I'll join you, Dave. Hold <laughs> yeah. on. Uh, oh, all right. Well, tonight, then. what tonight? What are we talking about? What are we, we talking are about? <laughs> we are going to go back and look at the pilot for Star Trek: Deep Space Nine emissary parts one and two. Yeah, we were supposed to do this in the last podcast, but yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, Mr. Drexler took over, but that's no. okay. No. Here we go. Hey, Dave. No. Yeah. There, <laughs> there you go. Hey, it's a diner, right? It's on tap. It's on tap. We serve alcohol beverages. Yeah. You know, all I remember from the last show is Chrissy getting into an argument with Dave Drexler about special effects. Now, special <gasps> effects can ruin the show, and like Dave and her are going at it. I'm like, really, Chrissy? He's a guest on the show. No, no, no. I have opinions, and I will state them. <laughs> Which I stand by, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I wish I'd had power. I wish I could have joined. No, it was it was really good. He was gracious, and he and he dished it right back. And it was uh, he was. Hey, he, if you if you can't take it, don't dish it. That's right. So he just he he just right back and 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 the the guy like. Today, if you'd, he'd be, a t- I would, Dave, I would not like to have him in my classroom. I'll tell you that right now. The guy is too scattered. <laughs> he, he just is, but he's great. And he's, um, mm-hmm. and he's made it work for him. And, um, yep. and, and he's uh, had a very rich story career. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because he's scattered. So he dabbles in lots of different things and gets lots of different skills. And then he's good at what he does. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, which I respect. No, I respect that too. So Deep Space Nine, this is our, what, fourth Star Trek pilot? One, two, three, four. This is our fifth Star Trek pilot that we've kind of reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, the two from the original series, Next Gen, the animated series, and then this. This is our, uh, so this is the fifth. So uh, I know that you kind of gave us a brief synopsis of uh, where this uh, where this is taking place in the Star Trek timeline and a little bit about it, Miles. Uh, for those that might be tuning into this show and have not caught the last show, do you want to give us a brief recap again? Yes. So uh, Star Trek D Space Nine was the fourth Star Trek series and production in 92. It was broadcast in a first-run syndication from January of 93 until June of uh, 99. It was the first series created by Rick Berman and Michael Piller rather than Gene Roddenberry. It was also the only series to air alongside another, another Star Trek production throughout its entire run, airing alongside uh, The Next Generation from 93 to 94, and then with Voyager from 95 until 99. Right. All right, good. Nice show. No, I'm just kidding. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. That's right. <laughs> so. Uh, so how many how many of you here caught it when it was on the air the first time? 
I did. I did. You, you me both. Yeah. And Dave, mm-hmm. you said you did. did. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, oh, I yeah. caught it. I definitely caught it in reruns. But not reruns. Let's talk about like Netflix reruns or something like that. Like, I didn't catch an actual live TV, but um, but it was interesting. It was interesting going back. You get, the, the episode definitely have a, has a little bit of dating, the costumes, and I think especially like of the beach scene. Um, and, well, yeah, you know, so there's some of that that feels a bit dated. Um, but I thought the episode itself, I really enjoyed watching it again. Oh, yeah, I would agree. I think it's 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 a very solid pilot. Um, we have to mention uh, Patrick Stewart guest starred. He played Picard and Locutus in this. Um, so I thought that that added a very um, powerful uh, element to this uh, pilot also. I've heard DS9 be compared, being compared to a marriage. Like, you know, when you look at the other shows like Next Generation or certainly the original series, they're like one-off. They're like flings, you know, with the people they're involved with. But in Deep Space Nine, you're stuck in a, you're stuck in a station. And while you can get off the station, you continue to come back. And it's like, and you have to have a different type of, presence on the show because you're stationary okay hold on christy as our mental health specialist he compared he just said you're stuck in this space that you can leave but then you come back so what, what do you get from that <laughs> well i didn't mean like stuck per se like oh, but right. i just meant that right. i just meant that it's it's it's, it's in one location so okay all right, <laughs> Chrissy, go ahead. Well, I mean, marriage can certainly feel that way, but there's also a certain loyalty. To it. <laughs> so we're saying that D Space Nine is like the old ball and chain. Got it. <laughs> but certainly not describing your relationship. I don't know really why at all. I don't. I don't care for it very much as a single woman. Never been married. She's like, that's why. I just, I just, don't, I just can't commit to that. Right. No, right. the same. What is that like? Ever seen French Kiss where um, it's Kate talking to the French guy and she's like, you know, that would be like eating at home. You know, for the rest of your life. And you, you like to go to a re- different restaurant every single night. <laughs> right. Yes. Thank you. She gets it. Yeah. Oh, then that the men in the room. Yeah. Uh, have you seen a rom com with your wives? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that marriage gets a little open once they get the defiant, though. You know, a new hottie comes in and they're flying all over the place and still coming back every other well, now and then. Well, yeah, but the only buddy. reason they got the defiant was because uh, uh, TNG was going off the was was ending their series, and Berman was concerned that. Um, that people would stop watching DS9. So they sent Worf over. And hey, Considering the fact that anytime I rewatch this show, I usually start in season three. It yeah. works. <laughs> so we're supposed great... to be talking about the pilot. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I get to talk about the pilot, but Dave, I do have a question. Why for you, do you start in season three when you rewatch the show? Because that's when the story starts. Okay. I mean, I mean Space you, Nine, is, the, like, Space Space Nine back, has been kind of hailed as being like a story show, even from the get-go. But yeah. you're saying that the story really kind of gets going. Yeah, I mean, once you once you watch it through, for, for me, once I've watched it through first, it's fun to go back and do again. But the first two seasons really just give backstory and, and set set the foundation down. Um, you get to see a little bit of the more insight into into your main characters. You get the the laydown of Cisco's uh, emissary bit, and once season three starts, all of those things just pick up and go forward. And that's where it really, that's just where it starts. It starts to be really good. So, like, if you've never watched it before, you've got to start at the beginning right. to get all that. But 
See, I, I, I did a rewatch of episode last week, and uh, I went to a season one episode, which is hailed by many to be many the best one of the best episodes in D Space Nine uh, duet, uh, the one with um, Kieran Norris and that uh, Cardassian who um, they at first think he, he's a war criminal. Um, and you find out there's a lot more going on, but it's, it's a really good character piece for, for, for Kira Norris, oh, yeah. I mean, who is, um, was just, who has just helped liberate Bajor from the Cardassians. And so she has a certain worldview and perspective about the Cardassians and maybe, maybe them all being, all, all being like, all being bad, basically. And then that's, this episode challenges her, her worldview on that. Um, I, I thought the show, wait, one of the things that made it distinct from the other Star Trek shows was uh, these people didn't all get along with each other. There was going to be friction between um, some of the characters. So mm. they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't always going to like each other. And so that, that's kind of where the journey was as far as seeing how these people try to work with each other and um, get along if they can. Definitely. Karen Reese was a huge yeller in the first episode. I watched it at lunch. <laughs> and then I watched the last part um, uh, after lunch, like right before I went on my walk. And she, she was angry. She was passionate. <laughs> there was passionate, and then there was just like, oh my God, she's just, she is... Like she was on the verge of being like uh, a Bajoran Karen. <laughs> Just like complain, 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 complain. And then halfway through, it's like they gave her a note, like, don't be so complaining. And then she kind of mellowed out. She, she got a, she clicked with, she started to like, you know, work with everyone instead of against everyone because she assumed everyone was against Bajora. It helped a few seasons later. They gave Everything her a boyfriend. Short. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the poor girl, and I get it, because the poor girl grew up in a, like, basically spent her whole life in a camp being a prisoner. And then she finally gets a grasp of freedom. And here come a bunch of Boy Scouts who are like, oh, we can fix it. Back it up, mister. But she was such a yeller. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that she is one of my favorite characters because her journey across the, is it seven seasons? Yep. Yeah. Her journey across the, the, those seven seasons were, were amazing. There was a lot of change in her. Kira Norris episode one, Kira Norris last episode, very different women, but the, but you can, you can see where the growth and, and where she found her peace with a lot of stuff. Well, we're, we're jumping the timeline. Oh, go ahead, Dave. I'll be talking. Good. I was going to say, if you guys want to, if anybody listening wants to do more of that, go back to one of our previous podcasts, probably a year or so ago, when uh, we actually got to sit down with oh, yeah. the Na visitor and uh, at, what was that Farpoint? Yep. And uh, did an interview with her, and she she really talks a lot about Kira's character and her, and her growth, and really how she what she learned out of it and how it impacted her yet too. It was a really, really good interview. It was. Sorry, shameless plug. No, it is. Well, oh, no, it's, it's great. It's On great. our own show. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yes, we are going to be shameless, shameless self-promotion here. It's okay. That's allowed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, another thing I liked, I mean, the guy who ends up being the commander of the station he, he, he doesn't necessarily want to be there. He just, you know, he's, he's still a grieving widow or losing his wife when the Borg invaded. Uh, and that, um, uh, that meeting he has with Picard, I just like, you know, we heard some of these new Star Trek shows. This is not your daddy's Star Trek. Well, I think when, when he has that meeting with Picard, that's when you realize this is not your daddy's Star Trek. Mm. I mean, he basically told, you know, basically, you know, blames Picard for his wife's death and all those other people, other, other Starfleet officers' deaths. And, um, you know, we usually don't see, you know, that kind of um, uh, hostility. Candor. Hostility. Yeah. And there's I'm being probably nice. some other, other, you know, just, you know, hit, you know, you, you think of, 
our Starfleet officers as happy, well-adjusted people, even even if they do suffer um, a, tra- a traumatic experience. Um, not here. Cisco is still grieving. And he's still angry, and you know that's going to. Well, go ahead. I'd like I'd like to to name what we're seeing both in in the character of Carrie. Names are escaping me right now. Um, and, and the commander. And that's trauma. And um, we, are, we are trying to be a more trauma-informed state. So one of the, the important thing is when you see these behaviors of anger, hostility, um, that kind of reaction to someone um, who, even though Ricard didn't have a choice in the matter, was still the cause of great pain and suffering that's trauma that's what we're seeing there and i like the show because it's dealing with trauma because in the other star treks terrible things happen and we're just like la 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 skipping through the fields and you're like what that is not how humans work so the fact that the show is dealing with trauma and how to move forward from trauma is really good to see and I really liked the episode because it was dealing very directly with what someone's reaction would be in reality to that situation. And the fact that he saw the card and you got that hostility, that anger, that grief. Right. That, you know, episodes you really don't don't see that or it's kind of like glossed over and by the time that we're wrapping up 45 minutes oh look at that they're great no they're not going to be friends smack no that's not how this works so i mean i enjoy star trek for that reason but i also like slightly makes me twinge um because i i like that you know the whole thing is that he's stuck in that time in that place i know i said this last episode that we recorded but that that's what happens in trauma. You aren't able right. to process what happened. And so you become emotionally and mentally stuck where you keep returning to that point and things can trigger you. And so in that moment when he's seeing Picard, he's probably not really seeing Picard. He's probably not in Deep Space Nine at that moment. He's back on his ship watching right. his wife die. Right. He's seen Locutus. Yeah. Locutus. Right. Right. Right, he's in Lucutus. He's not seeing Picard as Picard. And that's also really important that when you're dealing with people who have trauma in their lives, they may react to you. And what you don't realize is they're not reacting to you. They're reacting to something else in the past. You're their trigger. Right. Right. I think one of, that's one of the things I enjoyed about this episode is, you know, in the prior Star Trek shows, and granted at this point there was what, two? I mean, next gen, the original series. But the captains come on, and they are pretty uh, stoic, pretty uh, – they seem to have it to get together. I mean, we find out later on there is some issues in Picard's life. But but ultimately, it is. But but here we have a captain that is very broken in some ways and, and very um, and very very human. It's, it's quite a departure from the way Picard, Picard was presented when we first met Picard. Um, and then you have Cisco come on, and it's a guy that is r- wrestling with intense grief, stuck in that place, and in a way he becomes a little bit more. We can relate to him because many many of us have our our own grief stories in some capacity that we've either have been stuck in or we've struggled to move past, and we see that in Cisco, and it just brings a whole nother dimension to the show. Yeah, I think the the show overall it was a lot more um, psychological and character right um, driven than than the other ones, um, and I think that the the space station, the fact that you are, as Scott put it, stuck there, um, <laughs> right? It, it kind of, in a way, it's a little bit like going to to therapy sessions where the client comes in and they're with you as therapist and they're they've now blocked out this time to deal with their psychological issues and they can't escape into their normal i wouldn't say like coping skills but their normal escapes from the problem 
we're now here to deal with it. And in some ways, Deep Space Nine, almost because you're on the space station, you're character-driven, well, now we can't be distracted by the alien of the week and the weird location that we're in and the strange thing that's going on. No, you're stuck and you have to deal with the characters and characters mean psychology. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Which I like. Of course. So, yeah. And I, I know a lot of people call, didn't really enjoy There are people out there who say DS9 isn't a true track show because it didn't go anywhere. Um, which they did it on the first episode. They went somewhere and right. then they stayed. So they trekked, but it was a very internal trek. It was a very right. like, I liked it that it wasn't just episodic and here's the new thing. And, Oh, did we destroy your culture? Well, fix it. Bye. Yep. <laughs> it was, uh, we just what? wiped something up. And here we are four episodes later, still dealing with it. Right. That it like, it didn't just, you didn't just get in your ship and was like, Oh, peace out. It was, we were here, we're going to fix it. We're have to fix what we can uh, because these, these blowhards just blew through and fobbed everything up. And we have, so to, I, and we have to learn to deal with people as we, I think was mentioned prior that are not like us that in some ways don't, we don't agree with and we, they'd be fine, rub us the wrong way. And in the space station, you can't get away from it. Hmm. Well, you talk about dealing with things differently. I mean, we need Cisco that. is not Go like ahead. a. I was going to say, I was going to say, we need DS9 today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you just look at our society. Um, we need DS9. Yes. But I, I liked how Cisco dealt uh, with. Um, they, they, they put Nog in jail because he and this other guy got caught stealing. And. Everybody's leaving a station because if the Cardassians trashed it and things with the Bajoran provisional government are very unsteady. And so uh, Cisco basically blackmails Quark into staying on the station. You know, you, you know I'll let, I'll let your nephew go free. You, you, you got to stay put. You know, it was, uh, that, that's not something that's we, we, we've seen in other Starfleet uh, commanders before. Uh, but it's a, a very move. Ferengi move, and I respect that. <laughs> it was very Ferengi, yeah. <laughs> Underhanded, just to get what you want and make a better deal. I, I respect that. Is it- Another thing I liked... I, Go ahead. Um, we'll see throughout the series is the whole... The dynamic between Quark and Odo. I mean... Uh, I mean, Odo's a great character. Well, he has the shape. He's the shapeshifter, but also just as the as the law enforcement officer, and just he's a great character too. Just this this one upsmanship that he and Quark seem this game they always play uh, that that we'll see th- throughout the show is I, I thought was was done really well too. That's awesome. Um, I mean, here here you have this. Is, I mean, you have. In this Star Trek show, much more alien characters. I mean, in, in Next Gen and in the original series, most everybody was human. Well, now you have now we're, now now there's more aliens that are the uh, coming in as 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 main characters and leads. Now are these are are these like completely because I don't I forget from TNG and my memory doesn't serve me real well. Um, but from TNG or from like the original series were these aliens like, so the Frangi we had seen prior, but had we seen like the Cardassians prior to this, the Bajorans, had we seen these prior to this? Yes. And I think, yeah. I, I'm not sure if it was done. I, it, it started out purposely to kind of launch D space nine, but eventually went that way because they would use some story out elements that they did next gen with, the Cardassians, the Bajorans, the Maquis—that would play a big part in, in uh, Deep Space Nine, also. Okay. All right. Well, in, in, uh, fun fact: uh, originally, they had wanted uh, Michelle Forbes, uh, who played uh, uh, Ensign Rowe, to to be on the show. She was supposed to be like she would have been like the first officer, but she didn't want to be. Um, I don't know, typecast it or whatever. So she, she didn't, um, she didn't take the job. So they, they, they came up with 
a new first officer, which I thought worked really well and, and not a visitor, but that was originally going to be uh, Michelle Forbes. Okay. It's a shame. I like Denson Rowe. I did well, too. Well, they were going to make her sign um sign a seven year commitment, and she didn't want a seven year deal. Right. Yeah, I remember re- hearing that too. Yeah. She was. She was. Was it was. I liked her so very much. I liked how she worked with Picard and with Riker. I wanted her and Riker to like drunkenly, you know, shack up one night. <laughs> They were delicious together. Didn't they? Didn't they? Didn't they kind of shack up in that one episode that it was like, and they have a kid. where they took their memories away. Yes, where they take their memories away and they think they well, we must be husband and wife. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to watch. I'm gonna have to look for that because that yeah. sounds amazing. It was, yeah, they forgot they hated each other, and uh, <laughs> you know. Right, and Worf, wow. and Worf is like, "Well, I must be the captain of the ship," and. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great episode. Oh my god! Yes, now I remember that episode. Heaven, yeah. Smetsy, yeah, so good. But all right, so I'm so uh, glad we have so much Trek. Yeah, it's so much Trek, so little time. So as far as the, uh, so we we encounter the station is trashed. As far as I mean, obviously part of the story is them repairing it. Quark establishing his entertainment center, kind of the hub the social hub of the station. Um, and we get we get uh, the beginnings of the Cartassian storyline, which really kind of runs through, uh, that's introduced here. Um, any, any, and, we get, and, and we get, we get, uh, we get Miles. All right. Miles O'Brien, yes, from uh, TNG. That's right. He, he becomes a major, a major character, a lead character on this show. I did. And his... his I did think it was odd that when Picard, there was a placement in there where it felt odd. Like, so we see him on the station already, T Space Nine. And then we see Picard sending him from the Enterprise like one last time. And Picard's the one that's manning the transporter station. And that seemed odd because I don't think we see that anywhere in Next Gen. So there's a cute, the moment right before. Um, he's coming in because I, I remember when I saw this, I stopped because it was really kind of sweet. And and Picard said something along the lines of, "I called down. This is your favorite transporter room, isn't it?" Well, yes. I called down here for you, and I, I realized you you were no longer there. And it was just, oh, that's really, you know, he's yep. I mean, he's a commanding officer, and he has like a bit of he's got that sentiment that you know he's still sentimental. He still nice cares about his people, and then when he when he when he went ahead and 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 took care of the and um, when he took control of the transporter four miles to send miles away. I mean, I to me in my head it was like, that's this that's so nice because <laughs> it was just that was a very sweet, respectful way to like send off your chief engineer. Another cool thing about him, too, that I, I personally, with my work experience and my real life experience, loved to see. The first time in, in Trek history to this point where you have a non-commissioned officer, he's not a Starfleet officer, he's enlisted, is in charge of an entire space station's maintenance. you got somebody who actually works for a living running the ship instead of some academy graduate officer i loved that there's an authenticity to that there Mm. really really is there really is yeah well and o'brien would become like the everyman on the show and Mm -hmm. then he would would be like okay how can we torture o'brien this this week so i mean uh they put him through a lot of crap throughout the seven Mm -hmm. years very, that's what maintenance people go through is a lot of crap, sometimes literal crap. Don't worry, yeah. yes. D- Dave knows. Dave yeah. knows. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but but it was it was very. They played him very Scotty-ish. Like as listening to, to him talk about oh, and then grumbling more. Oh, they got to do this. Got this. Well, you've got ten minutes to get it done. All right, fine. You know, very much like. Scotty in the original series. Yeah, I'm sure that and was intentional. I'm sure it well, was, and it was amazing. 
We didn't really have another engineer to compare it to yet, though. You know. Well, you had LaForge. Right. Yeah. And LaForge yeah. was not, LaForge, yeah, nah. yeah, it was nothing like nothing like Scotty. No. So it was, and, it was and unfortunately, LaFord is so colored by reading Rainbow for me. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like well, listening to him talk to Data, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm five again. <laughs> There's an episode of Lower Decks where they they're, they're talking about like the buffer time. Don't forget to add your buffer time because oh, you always yeah. have more time than you need. Oh yeah. I appreciated I, that they acknowledged that in the one of uh, like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, you always got to put in buffer time. It, it has been a running joke at work now, especially buffer being with, well, not so much buffer time, but no, I don't use buffer time. I <laughs> not frown upon that. Um, but he's always saying that because we're recording. Yeah, exactly. That's right, that's right. That's here. Right. Exactly. Uh, no, I got. You. I know. Mm-hmm. No, especially with the with the with the uh, construction project and everything going along, and all the stuff we had to do just to get ready for school at, the, at a very last minute. And it was like, oh, I can't believe you guys got all this done, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, look, I learned everything I know from Scotty. Always multiply your estimates by a factor of four and you'll look like a miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, and true. So as far as the, uh, do we do it? Like what's what, what other, are, what other characters are we missing that we haven't talked about? I mean, there's Jake, but he's Jake's kind of a small part in this episode. Doctor Bashir. Oh, the Green Doctor. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. The the guy who just can't take no. Like I'm in this day and age, his behavior towards Dax would have been considered sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He, end up in the he just wasn't taking no for an answer, and there was there's a way to be charming about it, and then there's just way. Then there's like a, you, you, there's the tipping point into creep, but then he's another character that like grew a lot, right? Um, yes, because well, he was green. You're right, and it's interesting. And maybe I don't know if you guys see it, saw it too, but looking at Dax and Bashir and their characters from the pilot episode, even to the second and third episodes on, the way they changed almost immediately. Like when Dax first came on, she's, you know, with her hands behind her back, talking very softly and very like an old person because, you know, her simian's, what, 500 years old. And that changes very quickly. Someone got some notes somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out who these people were. Trying to figure it out, too. And Bashir got, I mean, he was really weird and creepy in the first episode or two. And then he, he kind of toned down a little bit as early on but mm. yeah it was it was interesting just how quickly they started to change yeah, yeah well definitely. someone probably handed them notes and said please don't do that anymore oh, yeah after the first episode of the next generation they told troy uh yeah that that whole like empath acting thing that you did the first episode stop well, don't, don't do, do that it. again don't do that again yeah, yeah stop yeah definitely Definitely. Um, the, you know, positioning it near the wormhole, I thought was genius. And the wormhole, uh, Miles, we talked about this in the last show, but the uh, the wormhole effects were beautifully done. Oh, yeah. I think maybe people will disagree, but I, I think it, 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 it's it's so beautiful, it still holds up. Yeah. I think, I don't know how, I, mean, I, I have to go back and figure out how they, how they made the wormhole, but it's, it, it's visually, it's just, it's just a beautiful, impressive thing. Yeah, very good. So we have that. Uh, what about the music in the show? It's definitely a different tone. They definitely, it, I don't know how best to describe, but it, it's slowed down more, it seems. Like the, if you compare the opening theme to like TNG's theme, it's definitely a little slower. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it matches the tone of the show, though. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because because it's not like you said it's not like necessarily that episodic fast paced like go 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 oh this thing happened five episodes ago that probably should affect us now or hand wave that away this is a a slower like we're in it we have to deal with what happened which really makes sense because as the show goes along and the theme slightly changes 
as the show's picking up and your your main storyline is going and the theme starts adding in that undertone kind of like drum beat a little bit out of it it, it really it, it amplifies the it, it makes it sound like it's moving faster than it did from season one so well, from one to, th- to four i think they did change it i mean it's it's the same same piece of music but just yeah the, added a bit to the it. tempo they add a few things that te- i mean it Maybe, maybe if you made me feel like there's more of a sense of urgency, yeah, when we go see, when we hear it in in first time in season four because they're preparing for a war in season four. Mm-hmm. Um, another character that we'll see, he's a reoccurring character, but uh, Goldicott played brilliantly by Mark uh, Alamo. Oh, yeah, um, fantastic bad guy. He was the former prefect of D Space Nine. Um, He's got a creepy thing for Kira throughout the series. <laughs> What's with men being creepy in this series? What's with that? To the 90s. <laughs> men were just creepy in the 90s? Is Apparently. that what I'm told? <laughs> and people, there were, there were some 90s men, you tell me. Well, um, they frosted their tips to their hair and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah, those weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I love the change. <laughs> Yeah. Scott's sitting here shaking his head because he knows we're talking about him. <laughs> I, I didn't. I did not frost the tips of my hair. Just so you know, I had a. I don't know. Look that way. I certainly look that way. I had a. I had a. I had a mohawk, and it was orange and black. So, yeah. I'm. I'm pretty sure Kristen described meeting like. You in the '90s to me, and use the term "frosted hair." I'm pretty sure she did. My hair was not. <laughs> if if my hair was colored in any way, it was my wife's fault. So it would not have oh, happened prior. It would not um, have happened prior. In fact, the joke goes <laughs> is totally derailing the show again. Thanks a lot. Um, but this this the, the story goes that. Uh, my in-laws tell the story that every time I would come home, like I would, my my Kristen would take me to their house, something would change. So like, I initially had my hair part at the side. Um, I began to like spike it and swoop it over. And then it was like, and then she bleached the hair. And then I had a necklace and uh, and then I had an earring. It was just like one after the other. That, so, he was so, trying to make you into like one of those in-sync singers. Right, Oh, exactly. that's just the picture I'm looking at right now. He looks like he's out of a 90s exactly. boy band. Exactly, that's exactly. And that's, <laughs> yeah. what, and that's what Kristen told me. She was like, oh my gosh, when we were dating back in the 90s, he looked like he came from one of those 90s boy bands. Yeah, so, but, but on, understand, right it, is, it is her fault. <laughs> it is all her fault. I have a very... Uh, I can send it to her. Hold on, say it again. It's yes. Kristen's fault. That's it what he said. It is Kristen's fault. Okay. It is, yeah. Then you like, no, she, she will. She will admit that because she will tell you what I was like when I met her. So, so the best part about this, you guys can't see. The best part about this is the smile on Miles's face as we're ripping Scott a new one about his his fashion choices from the nineties. That Scott's finally getting it back. Yeah. <laughs> Miles doesn't have much to talk about in the 90s. He was at my wedding and I saw his haircut. <laughs> Wait, Miles had hair? <laughs> he did. Uh, I was sporting Steven Seagal uh, hair back, it, it back was. then. It was. Nice. It was. He was rocking it. But, there's pictures. If you go back my timeline, there's a picture somewhere of Miles with Steven Seagal hair. Why wasn't Miles in these like wedding recreation photos? That's what I want to know. Because that would have been awesome. I want to see this. Been. I would, I would I would need a wig. <laughs> I was going to say, we could have gotten him a wig and everything. Right. I'm sure, like, right. Kristen probably could have called up from someone from Sight and Sound and gotten him a wig. Like, come on. We can, we can call Zenkicon <laughs> and borrow one of theirs. <laughs> nice blue one. Right, back to Golducott. Right. All right. Thank you, Dave. Golducott. Creepy men in the he night. He did not have frosted tips, right? He in did his not. Hair. Okay. So let me ask you this. I was trying to remember, like, many times actors, the look of their ma- their makeup and prosthetics change throughout a series. You know, I think of Worf, right, uh, where you see a change. Did we see that same sort of thing happen with the caught to, to, to caught? 
I don't know it's why I was the cult, the the cart as as the series goes on. The cart. Yeah, the cart. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Disgusting. If they did, it was very subtle. Yeah. I, I think they might have given him a new wig here and there, but as far as his facial appearance, you know, maybe maybe the skin color. I think it got grayer. It did over time. It, I think it started out more flesh colored originally. Yeah. But then they kind of. Yeah. It just went. Just you want to talk color about just. Pro- yeah, the color did change a little bit. I think you're. I think you're right, Miles. It did go a little grayer. But the biggest prosthetic change would have been Odo. Right. Odo. Odo Odo's. Right. They, they they worked on that more, and and even Quarks, his was not. What you see him in the in the pilot episode gets changed up a little more in, in subsequent episodes and throughout the series. I get there. Yeah. I guess we're, we're refining both their looks. Right. Yeah. Cause he, Quark looked a lot more like, uh, Armin did as a Ferengi in, in, or, uh, Oh, what was that episode? Season one. When you first meet Ferengi. Yeah. I know uh, which way you're talking about. I don't know the name. Got that yeah, little holographic guardian guy. Yeah, TNG it was season one. That's when you could meet him when they got those goofy whips. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we should say Armin Schumann was the first Ferengi in Star Trek. Yep, they were. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate that War like the Worf's prosthetic. Apparently, he wasn't going to do the show because he was pissed off about being in the makeup for so long. And then they finally realized that they were being dum-dums and instead of matching his skin to the prosthetic, they matched the prosthetic to his skin. So his, his makeup time went from like five hours to like 45 minutes. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Awesome. And to, honestly, like it, the change to me was noticeable because it just looked more natural instead right. of him looking orange all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah, his that 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 de- his that definitely made it look better. Explains why Worf was always like looking like he was ticked off in TNG. I mean, I'd be ticked off too if I was sitting through makeup five hours. Oh, yeah. He didn't have to like he didn't have to act like he was a ticked off Klingon. He just was ticked off. He was just pissed well, off naturally. You had to sit through five flipping hours of makeup every yeah. flipping day, and then, and you were stuck in those tiny trailers. If it takes me more than five minutes to do my hair, it pisses me off. So let's just—I mean, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and he's such a gentle man, and so, Michael Dorn is so handsome and just a, a quiet, delightful soul. And I, I can only imagine, like, just why would you torture that man? Right. Right. So why would you it was him? actually a secret experiment to see what would it take to tick him off. I mean, it's even better than the makeup yeah. that the Klingons have to go through now. The Klingons and Discovery have to go through now. Yeah. If, if that's what they continue to look like on, in season three of Discovery. Oh my goodness. So, the, Which I think a trailer dropped today for that. Yeah, we yeah. got a season three Discovery trailer uh-huh. today. I like how we cannot stay on topic. We can't. Awesome. But I was going to ask. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, it, it, all relate, it all relates. It all relates. Um, sort of. Sort of. Um, but so as as we look at, <laughs> so one of the things that we talked about in past pilots is how well did the pilot kind of set up the series for us? So maybe we can kind of analyze that a little bit before we wrap up the show. We have this pilot, this two part pilot, which really a, a, a very extended episode. As far as setting up the rest of the series, how good, how how well did it do? How poorly did it do it? Uh, was it a good launching point for the series? My yeah, own, I mean the go, Dave. Let's start with you. Go ahead. Oh yeah the uh, the emissary storyline that really carried the whole way through. Right. What um, was a great part, and seeing and being able to watch the characters all evolve and change and grow throughout the series. I mean, they, you obviously have to start somewhere and why not put them there? And you see a bunch of people who have to learn how to overcome their own personal problems to work together and actually become, to become a crew and then be thrust into the environment they are. It, it's, it, I think it's set it up very, very well. Mm. Plus, you're also getting able to explore a region of space that we've yet have yet seen right. in the mm-hmm. Trek universe. How about you, Em? Go ahead. I, 
appreciated that they gave us a nice little soupçon of of we got a little bit a little taste of of everything that was to come. You got the wormhole. You got the Cardassians who aren't really over it. Um, you got the emissary, the faith part of it. You got the uh, the the uh, Bajora um, or Bajor. I keep calling Bajora. Um, the world of Bajor and and settling in and just like enough of enough of each of the of the driving characters at least for the first season where you got a good it was a good starting point or. It was a nice sampler for what's on the menu. Right, right. Chrissy, it still you? was kind of annoying, but I did like. For me, Cisco is always. Um, oh crap! I can't. I just had it on the tip of my tongue. The the character he played on TV beforehand. Um, no, um, Hawk. Hawk. So to me, it was like, oh my god, Hawk is in space because. <laughs> Uh, I always enjoyed him, and when 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 they let him shave his head and grow his beard, I feel like that's when he really like I am the I am I'm the commander here. Right, right. Chrissy, how about you? Uh, as far as this episode kind of setting up the series for you? Well, I will say that Deep Space Nine is probably the series I've seen the least of in in my life. Um, so it's hard for me to say how well it's set up the rest of the series because I've only ever seen like a very few smattering of, of episodes um, here and there. Oh, well, sorry. Minus the... Anyways. Um, sorry, I did like five plus hours of yard work today, so I'm a little bit out of it because um, I'm getting a little bit tired. So, but I mean, I certainly felt like it set it up really well. I felt like I knew all the characters by the end that, I, that I've seen and I felt it was a really, it was a really good pilot, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, well, I guess it def- definitely brought us into a, a different depth of Star Trek that we typically don't get into, and the internal wrestling of yeah. the human soul. And I like that, Miles. How about you? Yes this 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 show is more about less about the exploration of the galaxy and new technology and aliens and it was gonna be more of an exploration about the human condition and um i particularly appreciated the the scene where cisco is talking about the human condition and their the existence with the wormhole aliens and um linear existence and um that whole philosophical conversation that that he has with the wormhole aliens uh, or the prophets as the bajorans would say um also that this show was not going to be afraid to touch religion and politics, although it'll be the religion and politics of the Bajorans and maybe the Cardassians, but um, in other past Star Trek shows, they kind of almost had it hands off on that right. one. But uh, right. it, on this show, it was like, yeah, we're going to talk about it. So, yeah, yeah I think it was a good launching point uh, of what we were going to see to come. And uh, I mean, things, things evolved and changed a little bit here and there. Uh, well, the, the, the people evolved and changed a lot throughout the seven years, but um this this was a good launching pad for it. So the whole scene where they're they're talking about aggression and he's trying to explain how aggression can be positive, like he does it through baseball. I kept picturing James Earl Jones in Field of Dreams talking about the quintessential <laughs> baseball scene, like why baseball is the thing that is you know. And I just like I kept picturing that scene when that when I overlaid it. Oh yeah, um, but I. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, but um, I really do like, I, I agree. I like the fact that it wasn't afraid to touch religion and politics. And it really looked at this show more than others. Although you certainly would never argue that TNG doesn't at times explore the human condition because it does, but this one seemed much more centered around not only encountering alien species, but learning to live, dwell, interact, and work with, and try to try to build a society in a way that's respectful, works through differences, and and understands. Um, this is this this is a Star Trek that did it for me, and I think that this set I think that this pilot episode does set us up for the next years of the show that we have coming down the pipe. Yeah. So it 
the the human condition is the focus of the show and it is it is refreshing to see a civil discourse about how to work with people who are different than you and have different ideas and it's refreshing not not always civil not always civil but they work work it out in the end they work it out and and it's it's nice hopeful message that we can work out our differences they do it in 45 minutes so that's all the longer it will take us to work through our disagreements got it right that's that's all we need just give me 45 minutes and we'll be done Yep. I got this. Got it. Uh, Chrissy for president. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm voting. Chrissy. I'm not 35 yet. So, no, sorry. I can't be on the ballot until the next time because of the pesky constitution. Right. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that pesky constitution. Damn that constitution. <laughs> I mean, um, who's really using it anyway? Yeah. So. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, uh, M, we are using it and abusing it. So, we're okay there. Yeah. That's true. That's but, accurate. But um, so, uh, is there anything like any before? Like we should wrap up the show because we're getting about that time. But are there any like facts that you guys pulled out that, that you found interesting, either about DS Nine that you think might be relevant here? Um, I did. I did. I did. And I know. I know I'm so too. Excited. That they Just, did, like, did my homework. That, I, I know they did uh, also that documentary that was released not that long ago. I assume many. I have a copy of it. Yeah. But yep. Yeah. Oh, what documentary? What we left behind. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Makes me want season eight so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not gonna happen. Not gonna do it. Oh. Wouldn't be prudent. But uh. I think the funnest, and I did say that like that on purpose. Thing that ha- that I read about the um, about DS Nine is that Morn. The barfly that hung out in Quirk's bar. His name is an anagram for George Wentz Norm from Cheers. During the series, the writers developed a running gag. The other characters would describe Morn as insufferably talkative, even though he never uttered a word on the screen. <laughs> I thought that was super, super cute and super fun. I like that little Easter egg. That is a great Easter egg. That isn't is cute. It? That is. Well, it's fantastic. This has been a good discussion about DS9 when we stayed on topic. And um, <laughs> we did, we did, we did, put it this way, we did better than we did the last show. We'll just say that. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's, 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 it's all, it all that's depends all the what you're comparing we it to. to. Right. Um, so, our next show that we're reviewing for Star Trek Pilots is uh, what? Voyager, I guess? Yeah, we Voyager. Yeah, we Voyager. <laughs> Voyager. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry. What was the noise you just made? It was a noise of excitement, and he's just, he's so he can barely hold. I it. can't I mean, wait. On Star Trek Day, the only thing better would the only thing better for Dave would be if J.J. Abrams had directed Voyager. Then that would totally oh, he, be buying. Oh, 100%. oh, <laughs> oh, Dave just got sober. Yeah, yeah real quick. He ruined his after his after work. He's like, I'm gonna need to do a couple of shots after this to get that like idea out of my head. Like, oh, if I see one more lens flare, I'm gonna pop one off. Um, Oops. Yep. Oops. Did we talk about? All right. So that's where we're headed. So in about a month, we'll be reviewing that show. So we would love to hear your thoughts both on DS9 and on the um, and Voyager coming up. So you can always drop them by sending us an email at sci-fi-diner-podcast-at-gmail.com or hitting us up on Facebook or Twitter. Those are the other places you can find us as well. Or leaving a comment, I guess, um, on the uh, posts that we put up on our website. So, But I think that's fantastic. Any any final com- comments before we uh, head out of the show here? Happy Star Trek Day. Happy yeah, uh, Actually, Star Trek D Space Nine is my probably favorite out of all the treks. Yeah. I, I hear that it's Dayton. I, I, think, I think it's Dayton, Dayton Ward's too. Okay. So I don't know that. I don't know that it's my favorite. I don't know what my favorite is. Well, yeah, may, well, yeah. Well, we can talk another time. But um, <laughs> I do like the fact that Deep Space Nine eventually brought Iggy Pop into play a Cardassian. So. <laughs> oh, he yeah. was a Vorta, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He, he was. was on, he was on that one where they were on the space station or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the. Um, Tarak uh, Moore's sister station. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, yeah. yeah, that was good. So, 
All right. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at the diner. We are still practicing social distancing, uh, unlike the wedding I was at As this weekend. Should. And um, and there's uh, and uh, there's takeout if you want curbside oh. service, we can help you out there. Uh, but it's been great spending some time with you here in the diner tonight. And uh, I believe that's it. Miles, why don't you take us out of the show? All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. Wear your mask. Keep your tips, Frosty. <laughs> 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 uh, I knew you were coming up with something, Dave. I knew Ocean City, Maryland, uh, last weekend for last, and uh, you can't dance in Ocean City, Maryland. You can't. You can't. And they don't have it at like the restaurants or clubs or whatever. Yep. Of COVID. Because oh, I was gonna say, is, is that a COVID thing or is that an That's Ocean City, Maryland thing? thing? Yeah. They're like, you know what? No more dancing. This um, is clearly immoral. Yeah, Footloose. What happened in Footloose is happening in Maryland now. No, just, yeah, because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I like how we just turn this into a show about us talking about money. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Ocean City, but sometimes there is just a particular species of stupid that rolls up in there and ruins the fun for everyone else. Well, it's you know what? So- Do you know what? They, they were at our place this weekend, so just saying. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you were safe. I was. I was like, you know, in, in all in all things considered, 
So barring the stupidity of the gas, the event went off well and the bride and groom are seemed happy. And at the end of the day, the the, the people that review us, that's what we care about. Yeah. But yeah, I would just hate for someone like one of their friends who are a little bit more like me to see pictures of that and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Then you didn't do something and report you to the state because yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah. I don't know how that would work. I mean, there was plenty of space for them to socially distance. All the tables were socially distanced apart. And, you did uh, what you had to do to, to like, service your people and to still stick with the state law. Absolutely. It's up to the – the, they are grown freaking adults. They are. And if they're going to behave that way, they should, they should have the – they should have the gonads – to own their own yeah. bodies and be responsible for their own BS. Yeah. I agree with that. On the flip side, you know, all it takes is, you know, I mean, publicity these days, you take one person who's saying, look, people at this wedding, at this event, event venue are not social distancing and they're uh, not wearing masks, you know, but you, you do what yeah. you can. So. I will fight for you. If anyone comes after you, I will throw down. I will wear it. Yeah. I will wear my dinosaur suit to protect myself. But <laughs> that's what I wanted. Do you know that would have been the, that would have been the capstone? Like once they were wasted, having you run through the crowd in your dinosaur suit would have been perfect. <laughs> I I'm gonna pull it out to run around the neighborhood um, <laughs> next weekend. Yeah. Just for like, it's the first week of school here and it's super, everyone's super tense. And from the pictures I'm seeing, like from this morning to this evening, how well homeschooling is going um, for some families. Like I just wanted to do something silly and fun. So I ordered a big box of Play-Doh of the little sample size Play-Doh and a bunch of little Lego minifigs. And I'm just going to run around the neighborhood and hand them out to kids. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then I feel like I should buy tiny bottles of booze to hand out to the parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and right on it, homeschooling kit. Here you go. Yeah, how'd that go? By the way, make. What was that? Oh, how did it go today? Uh, it was, so it's it's fine at Penn Manor at my uh, at my at my son's school at my daughter's school. Uh, they had a kid come down with COVID in the high school, and. Ah! And apparently at at the elementary school, Mannheim Township just reported a case. So I will see. I it's uh, after Labor Day and seeing some of the liberal pictures of people not really caring. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm certain it's only a matter of time. We've been in school a week, and the incubation period's what three, you know, four to seven days, something like that. It's only a matter of time. And Dave can clean that school as much as he wants, but people are still going to be stupid. It's like the wedding. You know what? Yeah. You just need the person running around Lysol spraying people. What we need is a dinosaur running through that school, Dave. We'll make that happen. Oh my I mean, God. I'm off for the next two. I'm off for the next two weeks. So, I mean, I could just found a dinosaur. Yeah, there you go. As bad as it sounds, I'm kind of excited if it does happen and I get to play with some of the new toys that we got. I mean, I'll submit my child clearances. I can get into the school. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> See? I just uh, took my child abuse training, so I'm good. I'm good to go. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> there we go. Wow. On that note, I don't know how to segue. Yeah. What were we going to do? Uh, we're talking about DS9, I think, or we're supposed to be. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this, is, like the, this is like the last show we recorded. Like, oh, yeah, let's talk about DS9. We talked about everything but DS9. Awesome. And Miles, God bless Miles. Miles, the entire show kept trying to bring us back. And Doug, Doug Drexler kept derailing us. The you know, we had to talk about his awesome career in, in, in a special effects artist. So all that Dave cared about was that he agreed with him that J.J. Abrams sucks. That's all that Dave <gasps> cares about. It is a good God. thing I did not have power <laughs> that I could God, not record. Doug Drexler. Because as I respect the, his art, 
I also respect the fact that like sometimes there's a version that people aren't going to like and that's okay. Yeah. But it doesn't mean they completely suck. Trek God has spoken. <laughs> He's just a prop guy. He does. <gasps> you oh. dare. Just the prop <laughs> guy. Oh. He's a world builder. How I dare you. I, I used to be a card-carrying member of IATSE as a costumer, so I feel like I've put in my time. Yep. Um, I'm a believer. <laughs> I've been on set. I know how that shit works. I worked for Paramount uh, at their park system level, but... <laughs> oh, I wish I could have seen that. Yep. You know it's not a park? A giant space station around a planet and a wormhole. That's true. That's a great segue. We should talk if about the, we should talk about DS9 tonight. Is that is that a TV show about a giant space station near a planet and a wormhole? That's right. Well, yes. <laughs> like funny you mentioned that. Recordings of us like not near <laughs> it. Well, I've been, re- I, I've been just so you know, I've been recording the last 15 minutes because you never know what gold comes out of these conversations. I, I, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you should like drop it and call it like outtakes. Well, t- he so- does. He sticks him at the end. Yes. Yeah. So if you if you actually like listen past the end credits, um, when the music starts, sometimes it's a short. They go like in the middle of the music and it'll be stupid stuff that we're saying. That's kind of funny. But. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. As the victim of, of that practice, <laughs> I can tell you it's there. I'm now recording saying I will down a dinosaur suit and run around with lights off. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's a wonderful mental image. It is. It is. Yep. All right. Well, uh, since we have a show to do, uh, should we like officially introduce the show? Sure. On Star Trek Day, even. Ooh. It is. That's it's Star it is Trek Star- Day. It is Star Trek Day. I'm uh, so more excited for Talk Like a Pirate Day that's coming up, though. So sorry. Did you say Talk Like a Pirate Day or Pirate? Pirate. Oh. Pirate Day. I mean, Talk Like a Pirate Day would be kind of boring. You just like mimic everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's called being a like middle schooler or elementary schooler <laughs> to annoy people. Or, or a parent with your kids. So just say it. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. Okay, uh, Miles, why don't you bring us into the – oh, I guess uh, who start? I guess I start the show. Okay. We'll go ahead. <laughs> All, All right. right. You know what? If you don't put that in the blooper section, no help me, Scott. Dude, this entire thing's going in the blooper section. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, my God. Stars and All right. 